Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can catch us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. Today is Tuesday, September 21st. John, I think it's fair to say we are in the deep water, baby. 3-0. Holy. I I know we both gave uh, this as our no question bet your mortgage win of the week last week we were mm-hmm. so confident but still feels pretty good to be right first of all you're welcome to everybody um for <laughs> for making everyone some money uh this was yeah this was easily our our, our best pick of the year so far and <laughs> you're right couldn't have been more confident about it i um i i would say that in my wildest optimistic phase of the summer and you know i swing on the pendulum of i don't know if we're going to win a game this year to why not us do you know and that happens daily oh yeah through july even on the why not us days i don't think i could have ever no amount of added alcohol substance could have gotten me to win in coral gables by 21 couldn't get there yeah, I, I mean, I'd be lying if I told you, you know, uh, th- that. Well, first, I, I think if you would ask me how many games will Michigan State score over 30 points in this year, I might have said three, let alone mm-hmm. <laughs> doing it the first three and doing it on the road against a what was at the beginning of the season, a top 15 team. Um, I, I mean, it's it's hard to even overstate how unbelievable of a win that was, and I think it's just for for a variety of of reasons that made it so awesome. I mean, first and foremost, I think we need to start giving Mel Tucker like like nationally. I I think he needs more recognition for his, the job he's done as head coach at this point, uh, and that spans back to his days as the as the Broke Buffs head coach. This man's won ten games. He's only been a head coach for two years or three years now. He's won 10 games. Five of them are against ranked opponents. That is insane. What that tells me is that this man is not surprisingly, especially after you've listened to these post-game highlight reels and just heard him speak in, in the media. This man's a master motivator and his team loves him and wants to play for him. Uh, and they believe in his process. I mean, I mean, one of the things that stands out to me about this game is that MSU Teams of the past and plenty of other schools in Michigan State. This is not a Michigan State issue. A lot of teams in MSU's position this week, especially you know around halftime, 
maybe even a little earlier than that, could have folded it up. Like, it's not like this game was this beautiful symphony for Michigan State. First half was a little bit ugly. They had a couple of tough plays, especially offensively, couldn't really get a ton going. But then in the fourth quarter, they turn it on and just they hit those, I think, two or three late, just like knockout plays. When plays needed to be made, it was the MSU players going and making them. And it was guys that aren't even necessarily like Mel Tucker's guys. I mean, we're talking Speedy Naylor. We're talking Peyton Thorne. We're talking Drew Beasley, like guys that were part of the last era at Michigan State that have just, you know, bought in on everything that's going on here and to to come out and like answer the bell on the road in the Florida heat against what is make no mistake, a very talented Miami team was just really, really something uh, to behold. This was an automatic loss three weeks ago today. Automatic loss. Nobody, nobody in the country outside of that locker room was looking at that game in Miami and said, confidently that Michigan State was going to win. Nobody. And, I mean, that's all Mel Tucker and his staff. I mean, that not, that wasn't just a win in Miami. I want to provide some context for some folks. That was Miami's worst home non-conference loss since 1996. A long time out. Okay? That, that team that you saw, they have, a, they have some pros on it. Charleston Rambo's a pro. They're a wide receiver. Guys stud. They have but the thing about their professionals is that for the rest of the year in the current schedule, there's only one team where Michigan State won't have the best player on their sideline. Kenneth Walker, and arguably he might be the best player on the sideline of every game. I can't say enough about how good he is. And I can't say enough about how sick I would be if I was a Wake Forest fan. Oh, my God. What were they, can, what were they doing mean, with him? They both like, of the people that are Wake Forest football fans. Chris Paul is, is sick. All three of them are in just shambles right now. Can you imagine having that talent on the sideline and being like, hmm, Let's let's run this dorky ass pistol offense and um, <laughs> like and give him you know twelve carries a game. He makes when he did to Miami. And give it a little more context. He leads the nation with three hundred and seventy-two yards after contact. Three hundred and seventy-two yards after contact. Do you know how many players? have 372 total yards or more. Isn't it like three or something crazy like that? Yes. He's one of them. He leads the nation in 35 missed tackles generated. 20 of those 35 missed tackles were against Miami. 20. Wow. 20 men miss. He does shit that looks like things that you can only get away with in high school when you're a, when you're a stud, right? You don't get to do the things he's doing against Miami. Like that's not a thing. And like yeah. I, I, I am, I trust me, I love love 
the give the ball to Kenny Walker and see what he can do play. It the closest I've ever felt to confidence with that is like this is dangerous to even say out loud, but I don't care. We're we're having a good time. Is when I was really young and watched Barry Sanders get the ball. (laughs) You say what's going to happen? Like seriously, what's going to happen? It's incredible. He is a talent, and he you said Mel needs to be on the national uh, limelight. Kenneth Walker needs to be beyond that. He needs to be in the. I'll say it, he needs to be in the Heisman conversation. You can't not at this point. Things yeah, I mean it's it, it's hard to. It, yeah, I, I mean three games in, it's silly season, you know. To your point, but he deserves as much recognition as anybody. I mean, he's I, and I think to take it like extrapolated a half step further back like chris kapilovich so much credit the people who identified him in the transfer portal portal deserve so much credit this offensive line could not do anything last year and now we're talking about them paving the way for the leading running like the leading rusher in the nation to your to use your statistics like two of the four leading rushers in the nation are kenneth walker and kenneth walker after contact so like i think that's that's just such a testament to the entire organization, the staff. I mean, I think it's funny. I think I saw this tw- on Twitter. Like, if Kenneth Walker was, you're telling me if Kenneth Walker was a Alabama player, we wouldn't be immediately talking about the Heisman runaway favorite right now. It's, like, it's, it's true. And here's the no other, question. Here's the other piece. In, in don't get me wrong, the offensive line is vastly improved, but make no mistake. Kenneth Walker is not necessarily getting all of his yards because of Wisconsin-sized holes right. being created. It's not happening. It's go look, go watch the tape. He's not he's not running, you know, inside guard. You know, he's not running off tackle. He's doing what it, he's figuring it out for himself. Now, to be fair, the offensive line has made him so many improvements that he's not generally getting hit in the backfield, which is a vast improvement from last year. And poor Connor Hayward would get the ball. But I'm just saying, like, he's doing a lot of this on his own as well. And that makes it even more incredible to me, personally. Yeah, I think more credit goes to, I mean, I don't disagree with you. It's not like he's running like down the highway. I totally agree. But I do think that Jay Johnson's schematically is doing a lot of stuff that's creating those cutback runs for him. I mean, if you if you notice, there's so much action with Jaden Reed and Naylor and those guys running in the backfield, like right on a ton of those plays. And I think that type of motion led to Naylor's first touchdown catch for sure. It led to several of those huge openings that um, – that Walker had. But to your point, it takes a running back seeing that and recognizing it. We've seen it many times, especially last year with MSU running backs, not seeing that and just running right into the line. So I I think it's a combination of things. It's just, it's just so refreshing and nice to see uh, not just confident offense, but this is the best Michigan state offense we've seen since Connor Cook was quarterback. Easily. And Kenny Walker. And I think we were all confident. He's, it's canine, right? He's oh, yeah. dog and he's canine. Yeah, just making sure. AKA the God. He, he, I can't, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just never going to stop gushing about this kid because he's like a creative player. Like, not in top end speed, 
also built like a tank somehow both at the same time and 99 awareness and vision like it's 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 kind of ridiculous and I do do want to comment a little bit about that Jay Johnson offense because he's doing some really, really interesting things that you saw couldn't happen last year. Just couldn't, couldn't do it. And now you can. And, and one of those things and concepts that he brought in, I thought was really cool was you talked about the Naylor first touchdown. Naylor's coming across in motion and he gets lost in the uh, it's this is a by design. He gets lost in the in the I guess you call it the the mess of the line on purpose and comes out the and he gets the ball as he's passing the tackle. He dropped that ball against Northwestern. They ran the same play. He dropped the ball and he had he had green to go. They ran the same play for him this time. He caught it easy touchdown. When you run him that speed through the mess. And then um, that cornerback or whoever com- the nickel coming down to cover him, he gets lost behind it. Where did he go? Right. And um, before you know it, he- he's too fast anyway. It's just like knowing how to use your guys. It's just mm-hmm. like so great to see it. And then <laughs> the last thing, I'm sorry, I just there's so many parts of this game though. So so well done. To to take a shot to end the game. When you're up by seven, they they barely by the you know the end of the football get a first down on the Peyton Thorn lean QB sneak, and you're thinking, okay, everyone's looking at the clock, and you're like, okay, how much time can they bleed off? No, he went out and said, double move, touchdown, end it now, and like, oh my god, yes, yes, Agre- pay you know solve your problems with aggression sometimes, right? Yeah, and, yeah, I. I it's oh. like going for the jugular. It's just yeah. a different mentality. So, I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> you're right. And like, you know what the funny thing was we were talking about before this? Going into the fourth quarter, I think the sentiment from fans was like, oh, God, hold on to your butts. Like, they're going to blow it. Or like, how could this end? We've come too far, but this just doesn't feel like it's going right. Miami had the ball. You know, they were down by three, I think. And it was like, you're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And everyone's reminding themselves, oh, God, it's probably so hot down there. Oh, God, what's going to happen? Michigan State's sideline was the one that was better conditioned. They were the one that were ready to, to end the game, and they threw haymakers in the fourth quarter. And I was just, like, so impressed. It was like, who is this? What is happening? This is great. I mean, it's, you've, you haven't even had teams with the ability to do that recently so to see that i i just i couldn't agree more as it, it was an unbelievable unbelievable play i mean a couple other guys i want to give a shout out to um but first of all yeah just i i totally echo your sentiment and then not only that but then the defense going on creating another turnover their yeah. fourth of the day and really put in the putting the and then msu not just like again running the ball up the middle which would have been perfectly understandable yes. considering who they'd be handing the ball to yeah. but um but to the run the end around to read and let him get a rushing touchdown. I mean, and your boy, yeah, just your boy, triple D hit two blocks on that end around. Dude, he is finally getting, it's all coming together. And this might be my favorite reason for Jay Johnson. This might be my favorite, my favorite thing about him is he is finally recognized that he has a legitimate weapon and he's found a way to use it. That little tunnel screen that they had early on in the game, 
uh, to Connor in the middle out of the, out of when he was playing tight end was a thing of absolute beauty. Um, I mean, this, it's just so nice to see him being appreciated. And this is all on offense too, by the way. And ch- we're going to talk defense in a second and then we'll talk some other stuff, but like Peyton Thorne, mm-hmm. you can see why he won this job. You yep. can see why he won this job, especially when you consider all of the things that you've heard about yep. Anthony Russo and the turnovers. Or like maybe Thorne doesn't have the biggest arm, but he just he, it's that game manager tag. But it's That's such enough. a beautiful thing. It, it it is it is masterful what he is able to do with the ball. He makes the right choice just about every single time. I didn't see I, I personally I'm sure it was there and I'm just not remembering every single play of it, but like I, I don't remember him even throwing into like bad spots. You one know bad what I mean? Throw. Like I, one bad throw, one the whole game. Jalen Naylor yeah. on the wrong page, as he usually is. Uh, oh yes, 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 yes. Yep. And the Miami defender dropped it. And he and by that, one. that corner is an NFL player. He is on draft boards right now. That was one throw. And you're right. Yeah. In the first two drives, things were happening very fast for Peyton Thorne. They threw a couple stunts at him. Jay Johnson's play selection was not worth – he had to let plays develop. And he, they both realized these plays can't take this long against a defense this fast. So they adjusted. Right. And you saw Peyton Thorne, if it wasn't there, throw it out of bounds twice. And you're like, okay, didn't take a sack. And then you saw the um, the mad action where you have the the end around fake come around um, double play action, which looks like it takes a lot of time to 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 happen, but it's actually taking defenders away from the pressure on Peyton Thorne. So it's a lot of containment in the box. It looks really tight, and it is. But now you're like creating diversion so that you can have those screens to Tyler Hunt, Connor Hayward, uh, Jalen. It's like you're seeing people react in real time and being smarter than the, uh, the other coordinators. And it's just like, Oh my God, what has happened? This is, amazing. <laughs> this is an offense. This is an offense. Yeah. And, and Hunt deserve, or excuse me, not Hunt. Well, he does deserve credit. He made a, he did drop one ball, but yeah, I think slowed down for Thorne. The moment didn't seem too big for him uh, at all. He made all his biggest plays down the stretch. I mean, it was just so, refreshing to see um and then on the defensive side dude a couple of guys to give a shout out to yep uh actually just as a group we were concerned about the pass rush we were concerned about the pass. it was one of the biggest concerns in the entire team coming into this year they bottled Derek king up the entire day he never got loose and when they needed a big play drew beasley was there to make it where he beat the i thought i must have did a great job against those tackles on that miami offensive line and that miami offensive line is they showed it during the game one of the um, most experienced offensive lines in the country. Yep. And MSU, I thought, did did more than hold their own uh, there. And like I said, when they needed a big play, they came through when they got it. Uh, so just a shout-out to the pass rush in general. And then another shout-out to Quiveris Crouch. That dude was – the first game he looked a little lost. This game, he did not look lost at all. I think a major part of the reason MSU was able to contain Derrick King was because of his athleticism. You saw him run King down a couple different times. This dude is every bit of the NFL defender that you thought you were getting. Um, 
and just like they had a game plan they executed it there's a lot of i think there's a lot of actually like very similar coverages that are being run if you harken back to the d'antonio days um and it's a lot of those same type of uh, ideas where it's bend but don't break like they gave up those little nine yard hitches the entire first half we were all screaming at our televisions but when push came to shove they made stops. They got turnovers. They Once they got into the red zone, things got tighter, and Miami wasn't able to make those plays. So, you know, a lot of – and they really – one of the, touch, the touchdown to Rambo, he was standing in the back of the end zone. That's a lot of uh, credit to Derek King. He was able to create time and get one guy kind of lost in the wash, like you said, and got him open. That's just a nice play. You can only do so much. But I thought the defense, all in all, played really well. I think there's still probably some concerns with the corners, if we're just being completely honest. Like yeah. – Gervin got beat a couple times. Ronald Williams was obviously giving up tons of different plays, but I think a lot of those were by, by design. But you like to think that that can be improved kind of as the as the season goes yeah. on. So, I mean, just all in all, really impressive. And finally, my last one, and then I'll let you go, John. Okay. Bryce Berenger. Yeah. Let's give credit where it's due. It's uh-huh. not just a bit. It's not just a bit. That man controlled the game for Michigan State in the first half. Without him, that could have easily, easily gotten more out of control. And instead, he was able to do this. That's just it with this team. Like, they are, we've said it for years, to win with a maybe not the highest caliber talent team, which maybe we're coming to find out isn't necessarily the case, you have to execute and play intelligently. And that's what they're doing. And that means winning the little things, the little phases of the game, like special teams, and yeah, they missed a field goal, but guess what? They were great on special teams all day, and Behringer was a massive, massive, massive part of that. Dude, you're right. And you know, it's you know there were some bad things, right? We talked about sure. we talked about uh, the secondary, specifically the corners. But I want everyone to remember this: when push came to shove, they did show up. They were playing that game plan. They wanted Derek King to throw. Derek King, just like Hunter Johnson, mind you, threw the ball more times than they, their head coach would have ever wanted him to. In fact, Derek King broke the Miami record for attempts and completions. Not great the uh-huh. second. Okay. But I think that there's a glimmer of hope as you take a look and you say, okay, well, what happened? Who did step up? Darius Snow. Great game. Mm-hmm. One and a half tackles for a loss. Didn't miss a tackle on the open field. Um, Angelo Gross baited Derek King and picked him off on the seamer route in the first half to stop them from getting points going into halftime. And then my favorite is Charles Brantley, who is the only freshman to play in this game. And he clearly went and either was asked or he asked to play corner on Rambo, coming out of halftime, and they let him mm-hmm. one-on-one. This kid's about a buck 60 soaking wet, and he he is not afraid of anything. He is, I mean, this kid hits, and I don't know how he generates any power because, like I said, he's the smallest <laughs> guy. He's smaller than Matt Coughlin, but he is a dog, and he's earned his playing time. He got ejected because he was so yeah. good. Too, too heavy. Sure did. But uh, th- what I want to take away is, one, 
they're not afraid to play anybody. Two, the three guys I just mentioned, they're going to be in Michigan State secondary for the next three years. So it's going to get better. Darius Snow, Angelo Gross, and Chuck Brantley are staples of this secondary for however many years to come. And not to mention, Xavier Henderson was, again, the best player on defense for both teams. He's an absolute stud. Like, we're lucky. Now he's just playing his way up the NFL board at this point. So, man, a lot of great things. The only, the only thing on the defense that they need to figure out is you're going to see teams start to go tempo on them. And um, they were reeling a little bit in the first half. They couldn't handle that. So um, one thing to work on as, as, as they move forward here. Yeah, I think there's a there's a, some some uh, some powerful takeaways from what you just said. Like that they're they're living up to the to their word as coaches and saying we're gonna let the best players play. And at that point, that that was Charles Chuck Brantley, and he played really well. I think he played so well, in fact, that he, he's gonna give Gervin a run. Like if he if he's able to actually can you know continue and repeat the way that he played he's 100% going to give Gervin a run as a starter before too long here because uh, or even Ronald Williams I don't know I don't know which one but he's he is going to push for playing time and it's it's just crazy like you you hear all these things in the off season and you hope and you wish and all of this stuff and I don't know how many things I've heard in the off season that people were getting all excited about that haven't come true at this point to be honest with you, like all of the words that you heard from the coaches, the reports you heard from the reporters and stuff, like the players they said were playing well are playing really well. And all the things the coaches said about letting, letting guys come in and find a way to play and get on the field. They're all true. So it's, uh, you can't blame us for being gun shy after summers of D'Anthony Arnett and AJ true. Some Some summer warriors back there. But um, no, you're right. You are right. It's um, it's quick Coughlin watch. Matt Coughlin, I'm going to put this on moving forward just because he's inching towards some records. Moves to seventh all time in extra points with 122 made extra points on 122 attempts. And now he's uh-huh. second, second all time in Michigan State history in field goals made with 66, uh, five away from the all time lead. So ultimately, Austin. There are new expectations for this team in East Lansing. I mean, that's just uh, what happens. I agree. I mean, when you, listen, we we always talk about how you should enjoy your time without them. I've enjoyed my first three weeks tremendously, uh-huh. but uh, uh, yeah, I think that's over. I think that's a, that's officially over. Now, what those expectations are, and we can talk about this when we get to the Nebraska preview. Um, I think that's a little bit of subject for uh debate but i will also say that i i'll put it this way i don't think six wins is going to excite people anymore <laughs> here's where it might have excited people a few weeks ago i'm gonna say here's where i'm gonna stand still still gonna be happy with the bowl game because i know that's an insane thing to just be so happy with just that but i just mean like six win bowl game x however many more wins in that bowl game Bowl game's a bowl game. Get these guys more practice because it's it was never about this year. And it's fun that we get to enjoy this year. Don't get me wrong. It's already a lot more fun than I thought it'd be. But you th- you can see Mel building something, 
right? Yeah. I already has my eye. I always have had my eyes on. <laughs> I, I hope I live this long. Two years from now, but <laughs> but maybe those expectations have been. Uh, maybe maybe the timelines changed. I don't know. I mean, but, but but once again, he came he came out and said how long ago he said, no, nah, this isn't this isn't year one, this is year two. Like we got to get this thing rolling. And lo and behold, you can tell that it's just. I think the most refreshing thing about him is that you can tell he's just he's genuine. Like this guy that you see in giving reports to guys, the rah rah speeches in the in the locker room and all of that stuff. That's just, that's just Mel Tucker. Like it's, it's not lip service. It's not saying things because it's what people want to hear. He's just being open and, and being who he is. And I think that there's something so awesome and refreshing about that. And not to say that that wasn't Mark D'Antonio. I think that's actually one of the things he did probably better than most coaches, but it's, it's just nice that it's, we're getting another coach that is very, uh, similar in in his approach because i think there's a lot of programs that that maybe don't get that so it's yeah it's hard not to be excited you're right what's last thing on this game and and the takeaway about mal tucker that dude is authentically cool he was oh yeah mel tucker was born fly he just is you can't fake that you can fake a lot of things. There are a lot of coaches in this conference that fake things to try and be relevant. Some people do really wacky and weird shit because they're socially inept and that's how they think that they need to do it. Some of them are rah-rah guys and try to be the loudest person in the room. And that's how they stay relevant. There are some guys who are stay quiet, stay their head down and they just try, you know, focus on themselves. That's okay. Mel isn't anything is never says or does anything that isn't real. That's actually him. It's not fake. And there's something to be said about not just that, but also it just being transcendently cool. And that carries with players. I'll tell you, and everyone that's listening, that's ever been on a sports team or a part of any type of team for that matter, the rah-rah shtick gets old. It does. You can, there's only so much enthusiasm every day because eventually you roll your eyes. Eventually you're like, okay, real leaders don't need to be the loudest and most excitable person. The best leaders, I should say, not real leaders, the best leaders, the best leaders ramp it up when they need to, but also talk the talk and walk the walk authentically. And I think 100% this guy is just built different. Yeah, like I I don't get a shtick. I I don't sense shtick. That's what I mean. It's what he's said since he came in is what he's done. And that shtick can work. Like it can definitely work. It can work. It it might be more of a short period of time typically. I think the, 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 well, you know what, we'll save it for when we talk about the other Big Ten teams. But there are teams that have been successful lately and by lately, I mean the last five, seven years where it was a lot of shtick and that just, I don't know that that has the staying power. Whereas I think Tucker's got something that might have some staying power. So it's, it's exciting. Um, Should we talk basketball before we get back into football? Quickly. Give Give our other son some attention. We will, because a big thing happened. Uh, 2022 class, back on track question mark 
Uh, mm-hmm. Four-star power forward Jackson Kohler commits, and it was a very quick recruitment. But you know what helps seal the deal is talking to every NBA player that MSU has produced <laughs> in the last 10 years when uh, during your official visit. Uh, he, he is a really sealed the deal alumni weekend. And uh, I think the coolest thing is all those players, you know, that they didn't bullshit him. Like they told yeah. him the real deal. Like, and he, he, you know, and Kohler even said as such, he's like, I'm ready to come in and be told what I need to do to get better. I know I'm going to get uh, how I'm going to be coached. And that's what I want. You know, that's what, you know, and already you can be like, okay, good. You know, you know, the expectations <laughs> and, the, the thing about Jackson is, uh, you know, he's probably set to start his sophomore year. I mean, you look at this roster right now, and there's no one else at his position on scholarship um, after his freshman year. So there's going to be a lot of expectation and pressure to grow really quickly. Uh, but but there's a lot of, I think, upside. He's below the rim player. Don't get me wrong. He is not a high flyer at all. He is going to fit right in in the Big Ten. And, <laughs> and um, you know, there's just going to be a lot of uh, Derek Nix without the girth um, action on the block from him. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, the only report of him that I've really read. Well, first of all, I believe he was a kind of a late riser in mm-hmm. the recruiting rankings. So he's one of those like guys who maybe isn't the super household name, but now is a top 70 recruit. MSU's had a lot of success with those profile uh, guys before. And uh, one of the comparisons I saw is kind of like an Ian Happ with a jumper a little bit, which is like a guy, Ethan Happ. What did I say? Ian Happ? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he doesn't play baseball. So that, that kind of doesn't (laughs) work. Um, But yeah, he's very, from, from what I've heard and read and kind of watched a little bit of his game, he's got a very advanced low post game. And can pass the ball a little bit uh, and actually has a bit of a jumper. So that was one of the things that always killed Hap, despite being, I think, Big Ten Player of the Year. was He always were kind of like skeptical of uh, of how far he could carry a team because, you know, he just didn't have that element in his game. And yet was an incredibly successful collegiate player. So not saying, you know, Jackson Kohler is going to win Big Ten Player of the Year or anything. But when, you, when you're trying to decide, you know, what or, or figure out what type of archetype of a player this is, that's that's what you're working with. And we know, like you like you said, this guy, guys like that have been successful in the Big Ten many, many times before. So uh, exciting. And it seems like the, like you said, the, the recruiting class might actually be sort of writing itself here a little bit. We we got a ways to go, but this is certainly a step in the right direction. And you heard it here, folks. Jackson Kohler, Big Ten Player of the Year. Austin Smith said it. As a sophomore, <laughs> he will make Ethan Happ look like a <laughs> JV high school player. You heard it here first. All right. Let's take a commercial break. Have a walk around the country in the Big Ten and then preview Nebraska. Indeed. Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Yeah, we're back. 
All right. Um, sweet. Let me just write down this timestamp so I don't screw it up. And we're good. John, is the ACC yeah. bad? It's so bad. It's hilarious, dude. It'd be a lot better if Kenny Walker was in it, but I don't know what you're going to Virginia Tech travels to West Virginia in the Battle of the Virginias. And Virginia Tech loses 27 to 21. My takeaway here, as you mentioned, what in the ACC am I supposed to be impressed by? Who? Like, uh, I, I got nothing for you. I really have nothing for you this year because I'm usually a a uh, Clemson apologist, but they're, they're giving me nothing to work with right now. I know we'll talk about them, but you look around the rest of the ACC and like, I don't Miami, obviously not all it's cracked up to be. Uh, Florida North state Carolina. is horrific. North Carolina is obviously was very, maybe the most overrated program in the country coming into the year. Like it, it's a tough look right now. It's a tough look. Yeah. You mentioned Clemson. They escape. Atlanta, you don't just waltz into oh. the, the hive. I made that up, if that's what they call Georgia Tech. Hey, if they don't, they absolutely should. They should. They beat Georgia Tech 14-8. to eight. And do you remember at the beginning of the year, and there was an awful lot of talk about how this Clemson-Georgia Clemson game's best defenses. Yep. Oh, defenses are just incredible. Clemson put 14 on Georgia Tech. Yep. Stop. This shit has to stop. And the <laughs> thing that bothers me is, and listen, I don't like either of these programs. I don't care. But Penn State beat Wisconsin like 16 to 10. And the narrative was completely different. Absolutely. Was trash offense in the Big Ten. It's like, don't get me wrong. The Big Ten doesn't exactly have, like, high-flying offenses, but we can't have, like, two completely different narratives here. Oh, <laughs> like, when this- John, I've got a little thing you may never have heard of, and that's the media. That's- uh, we can absolutely have two different narratives. Depends on which one serves your interest best. Uh, I think this is the ultimate case for me. This is certainly one of them, and this this year maybe more than anything. Like, we need, and it'll never happen, we need to stop with the preseason polls. They're ridiculous. They serve no purpose because now all they do is is advance. I'm going to get real soapboxy here. They advance the agenda of the SEC. That's all it is. I mean, you well, got the SEC blue, and what? And just blue bloods in general. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, and, and I and I get it because of TV and because of you know just wanting to create storylines week one. Like you're you're never going to get rid of those polls. I'm not being naive, but it. You can't really tell me that Georgia is the second best team because we don't have there's no context. There's absolutely no context applied to to any of this stuff. Like, for instance, I I don't know how impressed I should be. Honestly, like if, if we didn't follow Michigan State, I wouldn't realize how much of an improvement that was because I'd be looking at Miami and thinking like, right, well, they just got trounced, barely beat uh a non-power five team and then lost at home. Like how good could this team possibly be again with no context? You're not that impressed, but with the context applied, I think it makes change the story a little bit. So yeah, uh, I'm still banking just to take it back to Clemson real quick. I, I, I am still assuming that they will figure it out, but like I heard this point made somewhere recently. It's like, why, why doesn't Clemson 
why doesn't Clemson produce offensive linemen? Don't know. Like they, they get these huge recruits. I think it was on part of my take to give credit where it's due. Uh, and it was, I think it was Andy Staples who said it. He's like, that's kind of the area that they haven't been able to pull these super recruits that they pull at like all the skill positions in it's, I think, it, I think it's catching up to them a little bit here. So, uh, an interesting thing to watch develop and you just kind of wonder like, can they write the ship this year? I'm going to assume, I'm just going to bank on talent and bank on the fact that the rest of the ACC is bad and say, they're probably still going to come pretty close to running the table. But, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Well, you look at their schedule, dude, and it's like they don't, they're not going to play a ranked team the rest of the way. Right. I mean, like, this is this is bullshit, you know? And I agree. I mean, don't get me wrong. Clemson can still be can still become hashtag good. They're not mm-hmm. good right now, but nope. it would certainly be nice to play a team. And I know they and they lost their only test. They lost to Georgia. You know, it's like, do, is this ACC champion Clemson really deserving of a playoff? Bit? I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be super interesting this year because right. I don't. I don't know that there's going to be many teams, to be honest with you, that are that are clear cut, uh, clear cut playoff teams. And that's one of the coolest things. And that's another game that we we want to review here. Alabama facing a big time test, big time test against Florida and. A Florida team that was down a couple starters and didn't play Anthony Richardson at all. Uh, I think he was out with a hamstring. Like, yep. really impressive. Uh, that's how dominant Bam has been. Is you only lose to them at home by two, and people are like, "Wow, great, really, really great showing." Yeah, yeah, they're like, "Man, you guys balled out." <laughs> yeah. That's- it's like we're Florida. <laughs> yeah, we've won national championships like not that long ago, <laughs> and we're taking these these pennies. But I think there is, I think Bama is as vulnerable as they've been in a while, which is to say they'll probably will still not lose a game. But um, yeah, I, I was surprised to see, and I was, and we saw them get run on too. Like Florida was cranking out some good runs there towards the end of the game. Emory Jones did a good job as a mobile quarterback. I mean, there's 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 you things know, to actually be sort of worried about. Yeah, you know what's funny is I've I've heard this narrative, you know, or I've heard this already and be like, hey, everyone's vulnerable, everyone has a weakness. And I'm like, do they? Because <laughs> because like let's back up a little bit. If you want who's gonna beat Bama? You're banking on Georgia. Okay. One, I'm just saying. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Can you name any other teams that you could feel confident about it? Florida, not, con- not, not confident for sure. No, 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 no. And I, I should apply that context of like, I, I still think Bama will go undefeated. I still think Bama, even if they lose a game, they'll end up in the national championship because, or in the, uh, in the playoff, in all likelihood, because the rest of the it looks like the rest of the really like surefire teams are more questionable, which just leaves the door even further open for them. And a one loss SEC team against a one loss, basically any other conference team is gonna, is gonna get where they need to go. I mean, it's, it's Bama. They're, they're probably, they are inevitable again. You might see a a two loss. You can make an argument. I mean, it's three games in, right? But like if Florida, wins out and loses again and loses by one possession to Alabama in the SEC championship. 
could you make a case for them to be in the playoff? I don't know. So look at the, someone I mean, will. It all depends though. Like it, uh, that really all depends on how the rest shakes out. Because it, it's 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 difficult what, to say. Because like right now you can't. What can you say? Oklahoma. We mid. should probably talk about them at some point here. Super mid. Um, we will talk about them when Texas we get to the Big Ten games. Tatum looks not great. Clemson mid. Notre Dame mid. Yeah, Ohio State. Notre Dame. I, Notre Dame. I don't even know if Notre Dame's mid. Notre Dame just might not be good at all. That's what I mean. It's like you, you look, you Iowa. Come on, come on. Right. <laughs> like we can't do this. So I mean, like yeah, it's going to be an awesome year. You know, it, you mentioned, um, yeah, Bama. Bama wins. They beat a top ten team on the road, and we're like, they're vulnerable. It's like holy shit. Exactly. It's <laughs> insane. Did they not win? Um, and then uh, Arizona State uh, travels to BYU. BYU wins by ten. They win twenty-seven to seventeen. I'm going to be the first person to say it. Mark it down. BYU's in the playoff discussion. Wow. Who are they going to, uh, put them in there. Why not? Sure. He, here's, what, here's why. This is a team that just went back-to-back ranked wins. Arizona State's going to be fine. The Pac-12 South sucks. They're going to, they're yeah. going to win. Uh, Utah, they're going to win, as we just mentioned. They have three Pac-12 wins already. So it's not like they just went out and played New Mexico State. And then you look down the rest of their schedule and you say, who are they going to lose to? They host South Florida. Stinks. At Utah Hmm. State. I mean, really? Boise State, they're one and two this year so far. At Baylor. Stinks. At Washington State. Coach is going to have COVID by then. Stinks. Virgi- host Virginia and the Bronco Mendenhall Bowl. Okay. Uh-huh. Idaho State at Georgia Southern. Why? Okay. And then they and then and then it's Thanksgiving and they're playing at USC and are in a very real playoff conversation for that game. That's their that's their uh conference championship. They're an independent. Listen, that's you're not wrong. What you just laid out is is extremely uh, extremely reasonable. I think that's really interesting. And I will say we were just talking about how it leaves the door open for a one loss SEC team. Uh, this leaves the door open for the non Power Five group. Oh yeah, and I was like big time. This is this like this is if the it doesn't happen this year based on the way things are looking three weeks in. Like obviously a lot can change. It, it ain't ever happening, ever. I know, I know. And it could, it so, could. Maybe this is the, you know, BYU's got the, you know, they just joined the Big Twelve. You know, a little bit of clout there. I'm trying to think who else is. Well, no, the other one is as let's let's transition into yeah. uh, the Big Ten. The other team that's got it, Cincinnati. I yeah. was, I still think Luke Fickle, no matter what happens this year, is an insane person. If he gets offered the USC job and doesn't take it, I will stay on the record. No matter what happens this year, I will feel that way. But that team went on the road and beat Indiana. They also beat um, who they beat another ranked team earlier, another Power Five team already. So they've got two Power Five wins, I believe, three games into their season. If they can just run the table in the AAC and do it in somewhat impressive fashion. I well, have to think they're going to get a look if things keep falling in this strange direction. Well, here we go. Here's the thing, though. They they beat they beat Indiana. We'll get to that game. They have wins over Miami, Ohio, and Murray State. 
But here's here's. Uh, here's I thought they beat another ranked team already. Well, because oh, they have, have Notre Dame, don't they? They have, are going to play at Notre Dame. Yeah, that's the one. That's what I was thinking of. And you know, no matter how mid Notre Dame is, they're going to be good. They're going to have a good record at that point, still. So it's Notre Dame. It's Notre and Dame, it's and it's at Notre Dame. And Cincinnati just went and played at Indiana, an Indiana team that no, everyone in the country was head over heels about. They were the sexiest little team. And who's mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, hey, yeah, they're certainly in the conversation. Um, BYU is too. We'll keep an, keep our eye on that. But let's run through the, the rest of the Big Ten. I want to go on record. Remember when we were all a little cranky about there being Friday night games when that mm-hmm. came out in the Big Ten? I love it. I absolutely love it. And I love it because – it's a game that you would never have even considered watching and you, and you're like, and it's football, right? So you're not going to not watch it. Right. So Maryland travels to Illinois, wins 20 to 17 and Illinois is bad, but this yeah. game for me was too close for my liking. If I'm a Maryland fan and I'd like to say that they're officially back to their Maryland ways. Is that fair? Uh, you think they're back to their Maryland ways after this game? I mean, yeah, being crummy. Like, they're, they won 20-17 to 17 versus Illinois. Oh, like, yeah. Well, like, I don't think they were ever away from their Maryland. If anything, they were, well, they, their Maryland ways had been peaking. No, I, okay, to be fair, right. I just meant, like, they're cresting beautifully. Come out yes, of the game, they, are what, they are what we thought they were. And they're, and they're coming down to earth just in time. And we'll talk about their next game. It's going to be... They're on Oak Watch. Um, hmm. Northern Illinois travels to Michigan, and uh, Michigan wins 63-10. to 10. Michigan scores on almost all of their offensive possessions. Any thoughts? No. I mean, this is – we have watched this game from Michigan. I, with the exception of the last two years, we've seen this from Michigan for forever. This is what they do when you listen, they have a very, they have some very, very, really talented players. Like, I don't think, I don't want like the, our obvious, you know, anti-Michigan bias to get in the way of acknowledging the fact that they clearly have like some very talented guys. Like Blake Corum is clearly a very good little running back. I think uh, Hassan Haskins is a really nice running back. They clearly have an offensive line that can dominate inferior opponents but this doesn't it doesn't change anything for me. Like it, it doesn't it, their quarterback threw the ball. Cade McNamara, I think, threw the ball eleven times in this game. Maybe maybe a few more. Uh, it 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 tells me nothing. Like they they are still a program filled with players who have yet to win a game of any consequence. So until you can get into that moment and change that, I my opinion of your team doesn't change. I think they're going to win eight or nine games. Mm-hmm. I really do, uh, because this style of ball is is the zag to everybody else's zig for the most part. And there's there's something like oddly beautiful about that existing in the Big Ten. But they're no threat. They've they've just I I'm not saying that they're going to be bad. Like I don't think it's going to be they're going to like just completely go in the tank. But I know nothing about them. I know nothing about them besides that they can line up and punch bad teams in the mouth. Like, congratulations. That's that's great. Now you get to go play Big Ten teams, and let's see what happens. Well, 
you're right. And I'm going to tell a quick little story about why it's dangerous to do what Jim Harbaugh is doing. I've seen it over and over again, over and over again. But the beautiful thing that Jim Harbaugh has done is he laid such an egg last year that the fans are happy with it. They're throwing oh, yeah. going nine three. They wanted him gone, and now nine and three is great. What what an amazing Jedi mind trick he's and done. at a discount. But yeah, and, and half the money. And here's here's the little story. Um, when I was in high school, uh, we had a pretty good football team, and they went undefeated, but they ran basically the same. 10 plays all year and they won they dominated they just had better players and they ran the same shit and then they got to the quarterfinals they played a team that had also good players scouted it and they got run and that was a really big learning for the head coach who was in his second ever year of coaching football second year and then the third year he figured it out and he said I probably need to put my quarterback and put passing plays in, put my team in <laughs> uncomfortable. No, seriously, this is high school football. Put my team in uncomfortable positions in games that we, I know we're going to win because we're better, but while it still matters. And he would put his team in bad positions or challenging positions rather so that when the playoffs came, they were ready to execute. Jim Harbaugh's in year seven doing the same shit and guess what's going to happen Cade McNamara is going to have to make some be put in challenging positions yep. maybe he rises to the occasion maybe he's the finally the quarterback that breaks through after the last 10 that didn't maybe but wouldn't you like to at least see a dry run of that or you know what run off tackle and dominate you know Mac teams right right yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's something very risky that they're doing. But at the end of the day, this is – I also think, like, we need to let them not forget how heralded the speed and space Josh Gaddis offense was. Let's just remember oh, yeah. that. Remember that. And then that they decided, oh, no, I need to save my job, so we're just going to line up and <laughs> – run the ball a billion times down their throats and like you know in know, in, in a way he sees ways to win games so i can't necessarily blame him for trying to win games but at the same point in time i just love that now it's oh back to michigan football it's like dude you guys were all so excited 18 months ago and here we are but anyways that's enough about michigan Nebraska travels to Oklahoma and surprises probably everyone in the country, um, losing by seven, but not just dropping the game 23 to 16. They made a lot of self-induced errors that, if you look at it, Nebraska maybe could have won this one. They missed two field goals. Their kicker's three of eight on the year. Put that in your back pocket for the Seems bad. And went for two um, in the, the second half. And Oklahoma picked it off and ran it back for two. Three plus three plus two is eight points, Austin. They lost by seven. Mm. And you know what the thing is, though? You can look at that and be like, damn, you know, Nebraska, maybe they're coming around. You could. You could also say, this is the Scott Frost show, man. The same shit. They always always stub their toe. I'm always – I'm also very – like we talk about the national, the powers that uh, 
might not be what they usually are. I think Oklahoma might be like mm-hmm. example one A of that, man. This is Oklahoma hasn't looked very good the entire season thus far. Spencer Rattler is uh fine. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. Yeah. Like he's good. He's right. Yeah, he's I, but he was supposed to be this like you know, generational guy, the next one to pick up the, you know, the Kyler, uh, Murray, yeah. Baker. Yeah. All of that. Jalen Hurts. Only a sophomore. Got time. Yep. Sure. But I'm just saying the expectations were one thing. And what, like, I mean, we're sitting, we're sitting here looking at the big 12. I'm not sure the big 12 is any good. That's right. But so, who are they going to lose to? Like the only, th- like this, this team feels, you know how Iowa, we here feel like they're going to fall on their face to someone stupid. Yeah. Oklahoma has like lose at Kansas State written all over them, don't they? Yeah, yeah. This this is the I think this is the one where Iowa State sees the opportunity to get mm-hmm. that big win back and they get a chance to knock them off. I think. No, nah, I mean Texas is Texas is the double stub your toe team, so I, I won't say anything about that. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. Not a vintage Oklahoma squad, that's for sure. Uh, Cincinnati headed to Indiana, and Michael Penix Jr. is not himself. And Indiana is reeling with Cincinnati winning by two touchdowns. This was a game where Indiana was up early, a little bit in control. And Luke Fickle's just, uh, he's got a program. Sure does. He's got a real nice program. Um, He deserves a lot of credit, man. He's a great coach. I think we no. I don't think there's any hard feelings here. I think we all got our stuff out of the way when we needed to. We're feeling okay about it now, and I think MSU uh, is feeling certainly better about it, knowing the head coach that we have. Uh, oh. No harm, no foul. But yeah, I think this is this is exactly it. Like if you're him and you don't make the playoff this year and you go undefeated, like if they manage to beat Notre Dame. I don't know how you're not just sprinting to whatever power five program. And I know, I know, I know they're going to be in the, whatever the big 12 in a couple years or whatever it is. That's a big 12 without Oklahoma. And that's a big 12 without Texas. Like that's fun. Like, yeah, you're in the big 12 quote unquote. And yes, there would be an auto bid there, but I'm sorry. Like, are you really, you're, you're going to stay at Cincinnati instead of going to USC. It's not like, we're saying go to, you know, Mississippi State. Like we're saying go to – it's not even like we're saying go to Indiana. We're not even saying go to Florida State. We're saying mm-hmm. – talking about going to USC, like like a, a – as prime time, I, I think unquestionably a top 10, if not higher than that, job in, in college sports. Um, I, I just think he'd be crazy if he didn't. And I don't know if he'll get the opportunity. I don't know if that's the guy that they'll want to go for, but it's not a coincidence. I think that his name is in there when their uh, USC's AD, who they hired, I think last year, or the year before, also came from Cincinnati and hired Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. Like, I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, so we'll we'll see. But that, listen, they got a great team. Desmond Ritter is really good. Uh, I think he's a pro prospect. Whether he'll be a star or not remains to be seen. But I mean, we're we're talking about um, a very good college quarterback. Well. You talk, yeah, absolutely. He's a stud. If you get a chance to watch Cincinnati, um, it is fun. Um, I would also say that there is a guy who is interested in that USC job, and he might not get a call, and he might be mm-hmm. on the list. PJ Fleck. He just went into Boulder, won thirty to nothing. By the way, I told you guys they'd be fine after that Ohio State loss. Mm-hmm. Reel off a handful here. 
they held Buffalo to 63 yards of offense. Wow. 63. I mean, hey, Peach is going to get it rolling, and I'm just telling you, he's going to stay top of mind for that job. It's going to make some noise. And he won't even have to trade in his uh, his uh, clothing. It's all the same colors. So. Yeah, I mean, that guy has um... – you want to talk about one thing that people say about Fickle is that he doesn't have maybe have that Southern California energy and that that kind of charisma. BJ Flex got that shit in spades, man. He's <laughs> I think he would be uh, that, that's actually going to be that's going to be an interesting one. I, I think if they have a strong enough finish the season, you know, maybe that happens. Um, another coach that I think has a real shot. Now I'm going to actually do the transition here. James Franklin, Penn State, beating Auburn at home in the whiteout. Say everything you want about Franklin. I don't particularly think he's like this, you know, in, obviously not a great in-game engineer, but the man can recruit. He's been he in the recruits. SEC. He's been in the Big Ten. I think also his success at Vandy, by the way, is become so much more impressive <laughs> as time goes on. Um, I think he could handle it, but great win for Penn State. I think Penn State putting themselves, you know, in the conversation for – if Ohio State, who we'll talk about too, isn't able to win that conference, I think that that game, Penn State Ohio State, becomes very very interesting. It could be could be a de facto playoff game. Well, you know what you talk about Franklin, and, and I think the other thing is like Ohio State's vulnerable, right? Penn State seemingly has a couple nice wins, like you said, great win versus Auburn. That's going to look good, even though Bo Nix was Bo Nix is the quarterback. Yep. But whatever, whatever. I'm not taking anything away. You won. You won. It was a good win. If you can't win this year as James Franklin, I know you won the Big Ten one time. Do you really need this? Do you really want to keep doing this? <laughs> right. Like, just go to USC. It's an. You know what I mean? You can recruit yeah. at the same level or worse, and you will definitely be far and away the best program in the Pac-12 South. Like. You're getting wow, and you'll be I mean, you'll be the best coach they've had yeah. in since Pete Carroll. You're gonna punch your ticket to the quarterfinal every year, meaning the Pac twelve right. championship. And then if you win that, you're USC, you're going to the playoff. I'm sorry. Brand yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you're you are stepping up in terms of caliber of program. And that's not to take anything away from Penn State. Penn State's a great program. No, Penn State's a great. Penn State's a top 15, 20 job in the country. Some people would argue higher, but man, if I got the chance to go into the Pac-12 right now, the way that place is looking, knowing I have a, a playoff spot in available to my conference every single year, I don't have to play Ohio State, and I can rec- and I can already recruit from anywhere. Like I'm, uh, I'm thinking long and hard about that. So a lot of Big Ten names of interest. Uh, in that coaching race. I know. I know we're floating everybody. Uh, Jeff Brom and the Purdue Boilermakers head to South Bend without their big drum and lose 27 to 13. Uh, okay. I mean, the, I, I guess a good win. Purdue has a really nice wide receiver tandem, but I think David Bell is hurt. And But for me, Notre Dame, they're just in the Clemson category with Texas A&M and Iowa and probably a handful of others where I'm just like, mm, you're not lose. Like you're, you're okay. Yeah. It's fine. 
I'm not impressed. Oklahoma. Yeah, no, I, I mean, they haven't done anything to impress. I mean, especially, I, I think you could have made a big case for Florida State looking like an impressive win, but uh, yeah, not mm-hmm. so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, th- I think they've got some real flaws. I don't know that their defense is, is good enough. So we'll see. But yeah, um, they've certainly got plenty of tests coming up. Yeah, I mean, Florida State turned around. Not only did they lose to Jacksonville State, they lost to Wake. And they're on three. Like, okay. You know? Um, Rutgers joins. Welcome to the pass your win total from last year club, Rutgers. Uh, clap it up. 45 to 13 win over the Flacos of Delaware. Mm. And hey, get your dubs where you can. Iowa beat Kent State 30 to 7. I, I, this was closer than the score looked. Kent State uh, had the ball on the goal line and fumbled. And they, I believe when it was a one possession game. Um, Iowa's defense continues to be very opportunistic. Um, you know, how sustainable is, is this? And But after three games, maybe they're just this freaking good. I tend to think it's the former. Yeah, I mean, like, I again, I need Iowa to play some of the big boys in uh, the conference before I make any any um, concrete decisions on how they could actually be. But it's fun. I, yeah. I like that they're they're interesting. The more big 10 teams that are interesting, the better, as long as there's just like some type of like some type of sense of surprise. And it's not just this inevitable death march to Ohio state being back in the, in the championship game. It's fun that there's some suspense and I'm, I'm all about it. Absolutely. Continuing that suspense because Ohio state only quotation marks beat Tulsa 41 to 20. Um, Buckeyes look vulnerable, man. I mean, it was it was in the the results in doubt, you know, in the in the second half. And but for my money, if you can go get an OSU Big Ten future, you, oh, you might man. might as well do it. It's going to be the best value you're going to get all year because everyone the hype train has left the station in Ann Arbor, you know, uh, Iowa City to Penn State's feeling themselves, you know. It still run the Big Ten still runs through Columbus. Absolutely, no question. Um, this would be, depending on the odds, probably a real good time to to get that. It is. I mean, listen, they're not out of the woods. Um, no, I do think it'll be interesting to see if they're smart enough to just go back, going back to running the ball a million times a game, because Travion Henderson is unbelievable. Um, and really, the the issue is that Stroud is inconsistent. And that defense looks gettable. So I would think if if they were Urban Meyer, they would go back to running the ball a thousand times a game and controlling the clock and just out and kind of doing what Michigan is doing. To be honest with you, if they wanted to win these games, they have the talent to do it and beat good teams playing that way. They've earned that benefit of the doubt, I think. So, uh, but they look gettable. Well, um, they have, yeah, they have some work to do. Northwestern traveled to Duke. Uh, Hunter Johnson got pulled after they <laughs> got down early. Duke won 30 to 23. Hunter Johnson went six of 16 with three interceptions. At a certain point, we need to ask. I was a little generous of our secondary back there. It's two quarterbacks in a row that have had very good days. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> 
And yeah, hold that thought as Adrian Martinez heads to town, um, who is known to have bad days, but hey, he's due. Upcoming national days here or games here. Uh, Clemson, you talked about uh, some question marks. They travel to NC State. We want NC State to be good on this pod, I think. So bad. Uh, this upset will show how bad the ACC is. And then the other fun one, Austin, I want you to I want to hear your thoughts. Texas A&M heads to Arkansas. Super weird game for me because Texas A&M, I believe to be frauds, but I don't think Arkansas is ready for this moment quite yet. Yeah. The optics on it are strange. I will say if Calzada is still playing quarterback for A&M, this is a very winnable game for Arkansas. Mm -hmm. They've got a style. They've got bodies. They've got talent. And Calzada had a much better game this week for AM, but like against a not good Colorado team looked atrocious. And he's got to go on the road mm-hmm. and play in a place that's an SEC stadium that's packed with crazy fans. I mean, the momentum around that program, same, very much like MSU, is as yeah. high as it's been in, in years, even way longer than Michigan State. Yeah. So uh, it, it's possible. I mean, again, if you're just looking talent for talent, AM's, AM's, I think the only issue is that AM is a very, very good players in the front seven on defense, especially DeMarvin Leal, who is a stud who could really blow up a lot of that running stuff that Arkansas does. They may have to do something a little bit different than they normally do to win, but um, I, I, I'm, I'm all in on Wu Pig. I would love to see them get this win. Let's make things as weird as possible. Sounds good. Okay, let's quickly go through the Big Ten schedule because there's some snoozers, but a couple good ones. Uh, Villanova travels to Penn State, and the only reason I'm going to tell you to bet on this game is Villanova, 3-0 FCS team, a lot better than um, you'd probably think. Penn State is absolutely going to win, don't get me wrong. But next, the week after, Penn State plays Iowa. And I think if you can get a first-half cover line, you might consider uh, the Wildcats here. Mm, Just the I th- love it. Just a first half cover. Penn State. Classic cat matchup. Yeah, absolutely. Ohio travels to Northwestern. Uh, early kick. Northwestern really needs to figure things out. Um, this is one of their only winnable games, I think, in the rest of the schedule. This is where Fitzpatrick's job is just like the best job in the world. <laughs> <laughs> he has no reason to worry despite fielding one of the unquestionably worst teams in the country. Bowling Green travels to Minnesota, and as soon as this game ends, PJ is going to call his agent and say, "Did USC's AD see this?" I roll the ball. Got another he's win. Gonna, he's going he's gonna to record this and send it on a VHS to Mike Bones' mm-hmm. office in in uh, Southern California. Um, the Big Ten game of the week is actually a noon kick Eastern Notre Dame versus Wisconsin at Soldier Field. Kind of fun. Kind of fun. I think the two programs that really this year need this win. Um, Wisconsin kind of bumbling around a little bit early on. Notre Dame not finding their stride just yet. So uh, both teams need a win. This would be a nice one for both of them to get. It's kind of in like both of their backyards in a weird way and a cool venue. So I am leaning Notre Dame, but... Wisconsin, if Wisconsin can control the ball and run it like some of these teams have against Notre Dame thus far, then they're they're going to have a real shot. I'm gonna Jack Cone revenge game. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, what happens at the Cone, cone Man? 
conehead. A um, lot, lot of chip on his shoulder. Illinois travels to Purdue in a game that, if it didn't happen, no one would care. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Sounds boring. Seems like a game Purdue needs to win Absolutely. to save Jeff Brown's job. I, you know, I said this earlier. This schedule's setting up weirdly for Mel Tucker. He could go Grim Reaper. Manny Diaz, a lot of hot water. Mm-hmm. Hot Frost this week, he's boiling. Jeff Brom loses a game like this, things get warm. Like this, I agree. Guys, you know. Uh, Colorado State travels to Iowa um, in a tune-up game for that, that big one, Iowa-Penn State, next week. So that's fun. How do you feel yeah. about how do you feel about Rutgers at Michigan, though? Uh, Rutgers? Minus 19. Minus 19, I don't hate Rutgers. This is not the Rutgers of complete and total in the inability as there was before. So Michigan should still win. Because they're definitely still the more talented program. But Rutgers has done a, jo- a good job of stacking their, their program through the transfer portal. So I think they can certainly hang more. But I'm still banking on Michigan in this one. But I don't think it's going to be as – it's not going to be one of those like 70 to 3 games like this would have been two years ago. It went to overtime last year. People forget. <laughs> Great point. Kent State travels to Maryland. Um, this could be an OP one for Maryland. This could be the yeah. one. Maryland is very back on their bullshit. So let's see what happens. Akron travels to Ohio State. Ohio State a 49-point favorite in this one. Seems like a lot considering how they've played lately, but it's also Ohio State. So, like, they could just come out of nowhere and put up huge games. If CJ Stroud struggles in this one and they let him throw it a little bit, then I actually start to get nervous as an Ohio State fan. Absolutely agree. And then our upset up game, we take the other side of uh, last week it was Indiana maybe oping Cincinnati. This week, Indiana travels to Western Kentucky, an opponent Michigan State will play next week, which is great news. Mm-hmm. This is an OPE game. Indiana, nine-and-a-half-point favorite, but these guys are reeling in Western Kentucky. It's got a passing offense. Could be fun. Hey, this is – this is uh, if you're a, a lower-tier team mm-hmm. and you're a fan of that team or you are that team, like you need to have something. You know what I mean? You have like a gimmick or a – a style, and they have that. Bailey Zapp is a really good young quarterback um, who can really throw the ball. Uh, and so that's it, – it's on the road, Indiana, kind of reeling. I mean, this isn't it's, – it's it's not a gimme. Mm-mm. No, Western Kentucky's going to pull out all the stops for that home one. Who signed them up? Who scheduled this? Really? I don't know. That was a bad idea. Austin, it's time. Why mm. – time for why this program stinks, Nebraska edition. I know you got some good ones this week. I did get some good ones this week. I enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> the Real Shardy says they are the only Big Ten school with no AAU accreditation, plus one of their mascots is a lawn inflatable. <laughs> I think the fact they have two mascots in general, and one's a person and one's like an inflatable baby, is just weird yeah. in and of itself. You don't get two. Um, you shouldn't get two. We don't have an inflatables party. Uh, Jackson, Friend Zero says... Nebraska doesn't even produce the most corn in the U.S. Iowa does. Oh, okay. That this sucks. Um, uh, Maddie Miss says the Nebraska bar scene's pride and joy is a drink called Elk Creek Water. 
Upon my visit, I realized it was a screwdriver with Sprite and that Nebraskans just don't know what orange juice is. <laughs> uh, he says, that same trip, we went to a bar that had a quote-unquote drink where they light a glass of 99 bananas on fire and capture the fumes, and then you take a straw and huff it like glue. <laughs> uh, I'm going to stop up there. He added some more, but I'm going to stop there. Um, B.D. Salerno says, it's located in the state of Nebraska. Do I even have to say anything else? No, you don't. Uh, T.B. Emery says their whole identity is based around corn, yet the Corn Palace is located in South Dakota. Dakota. That means they're the serfs to South Dakota in the realm of corn. Didn't even have to mention Iowa. And they're third, maybe the third largest corn state. Third corn Jeez. Um, that stinks. Uh, Quentin BBBN BBB. Wow. Scott Frost proved it's easier to build a relevant program at the fourth most important school in Florida than in Nebraska. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I've got two more that I liked a lot. One very targeted to me and one very targeted to you. The one targeted to me from Johnny Vegas just says, you're Nebraska. <laughs> and then Matt Wiggins says, more like no Nebraska. I love it. It was right there in front of me for years and I didn't have it. Yeah, it was it was targeted at you. Oh, final one. Friderov says they're the Kelly Kapoor of the Big Ten. Coming into the conference, telling everyone they're better than them and claiming they didn't need us. Then they flipped the double birds last year. Now they're complaining that Oklahoma fans are great and the Big Ten is so mean to them. <laughs> tremendous point. <laughs> tremendous point, tremendous point, tremendous point. All around. Great work, everybody. Proud of what you did. So, Austin, tell me about this game. We know it's a night game. It's a stripe the woodshed game. Sure. In East Lansing, 6 or 7 p.m. kick. Game opened a three-point favorite for Michigan State, already rocketing up to five, maybe further. Computers say this one looks to be about a 60-plus percent chance that Michigan State wins. So maybe Nebraska is a touch better than their L's have shown, but uh, interested in what you've seen so far. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, everybody kind of wrote them off and forgot about them after they lost to Illinois, which who among us would not do such a thing? But they did blow out two teams after that, uh, beating Fordham. Well, really not blowing out Buffalo, but beating Fordham 52-7 to and then beating Buffalo 28-3. Last week, as we already talked about, they won on the road and lost to Oklahoma 23-16. And what this all kind of tells me is I'm, I'm sort of throwing the Illinois game out in a way because the last three games, their defense has played much, much better, uh, obviously against two really lower-tier teams. But then you know, going on the road and holding Oklahoma to 23 not not impressive. Um, offensively, sorry, go ahead. No, you're right. I mean, Oklahoma can be mid for Oklahoma standards, but it's still impressive. Exactly. I mean, that that's that's shows that Scott Frost hasn't lost his locker room, which I think a lot of people were a, a little nervous about uh, or suspicious of. Somehow, their quarterback is still Adrian Martinez. Uh, it doesn't make sense. I'm not willing to look up how long he's been there, but I think it's been about eight years. He is honestly very similar aesthetically in terms of the way he plays the game to Derek King. Um, runs the ball really effectively, as leads their team in rushing by over 160 yards, has four touchdowns. Uh, but passing the ball, I think he's shown a little bit of improvement this year. He's completing 66% of his passes. Five touchdowns to one interception. Has been sacked 11 times in four games, which is not a ton, but um, definitely something to to be aware of. It means he's getting run down to the backfield a decent amount. 
Um, in terms of the skill positions, the guys to look out for, Samori Toure is leading their team in receptions and yardage uh, and touchdowns. So he's clearly been the favorite target. And Austin Allen is a nice uh, tight end. The major injury to know is that their running back, Gabe Irvin Jr., uh, is out. He got injured against Oklahoma. He had been one of the two main running backs, him and Marquise Steph, the USC transfer that are um, getting the majority of the, of the carries for their offense. Uh, offensively, they do more or less the same thing that you've seen. It's a lot of uh, read option, short passes, not a ton of deep shots downfield, um, and they're going to do most of their damage on the ground. Uh, that, I think, works to MSU's favor for this week because we just saw them deploy a really effective run defense against a similar quarterback, Derek King. So I would think that the game plan is probably going to be uh, along those lines. Yeah, Austin, you're right. It's this Nebraska has long been as Adrian Martinez goes, uh, Nebraska goes, and he's just never really seemingly got a ton better. He is pretty efficient in the passing, but it's, um, I don't know. It, it, I think the losing your, your running back is, is huge. They were 32nd in the country in rushing offense, 201 yards uh, per game. And, and losing him is going to be more pressure on Martinez to, to not turn the ball over, something he struggles with. Uh, th- the other piece that I think you want to take a look at is Nebraska's rushing defense is not great. They've given up 156.3 yards a game. That's 81st in the nation. Michigan State rushing offense 11th in the nation. I just can't believe I even said that. Like that is it's just insane to me. And maybe it dies. Maybe it you know plateaus. I don't care. I got to say it at one point this year, and that's <laughs> just incredible. I think the only other thing though is Michigan State's total defense. Um, there's there are some. They show up. They've made plays. They caused four turnovers against Miami. You know, the concern though is you saw Hunter Johnson go off. You saw Derek King go off. At a certain point, you can't be given up 400 yards of offense. That people will convert and score eventually. Yeah. So, so absolutely. What's, what's going to happen? Like, what changes? Will Tank Brown finally see the field this week? You know, don't know. How are you going to generate uh, a pass rush? But I think you already nailed it before. Quavarius Crouch can keep Derek King in his sights. He's going to be asked to do the same thing against Adrian Martinez. Yeah, I think that's where the athleticism is big for MSU. I think if they execute a similar defensive plan to last week, they'll they'll be okay. Um, offensively, I think you again just keep doing doing what you're doing. Uh, I do think they'll have the opportunity. I mean, they're going to play everything off the run, but Nebraska does not get after the quarterback very well. They only have four sacks in four games, so that's probably probably means they're going to need uh, or they're they're going to be able to give Peyton Thorne some time. He just keeps playing smart. I mean, she's got a pretty decent chance in this game. And then the other side of the ball, you have the opportunity to get after Adrian Martinez. Um, against Oklahoma, they gave up five sacks and 10 tackles for loss. So the opportunity is going to be there, but just don't give up those big plays over the top. Um, I think just to put a bow on it before we sign off here, this is a very winnable game. Uh, a night game at home, on paper, a game you would hope Michigan State can win. Uh, but there is something to be said for the fact that, you know, this is a test. You're coming off a big emotional win on the road, coming home to play under the lights. Um, that's, you know, it's still a young team. It's still a team that's developing. So you don't want to take anything for granted, but based on what we've seen out of Mel Tucker and we've seen out of the team so far this year, and kind of the mantra around the team, 
hopefully they treat it like any other game. Come show up and, and walk out of there Saturday night 4-0. It's a winnable game. This has always been a winnable game. You have the home team, or you have the night crowd. It's going to be drinking since 8 a.m. <laughs> There's no reason that you shouldn't be have all the intangibles here. Yep. Nebraska's real. They, they, now they're desperate. Scott Frost might be coaching for his job. You know, it, it's getting bad over in Lincoln. He has a $20 yep. million buyout, I think. But uh, that's all they have in Nebraska, man. So Mel Tucker, um, let's see if he can get these guys head on straight because they're reading about themselves. They're Absolutely. Tough. You know, don't get fat and sassy, folks. Nope. If Thomas taught us one thing, it's not to get fat and sassy. So hopefully they can make it happen. All right, John. Uh, I think that's it for us this week. Guys, as always, thank you for sticking with us. And we will catch you all next week. See you.